0: I was just showing Rachel this. Some, some kid bootlegged the online ceramics tea as a uh, Nalgene. Wow. I, I have no idea. I just asked him.
1: I'm really proud of our listeners.
0: Super proud. Yeah. Good for you guys.
1: What are you going to bootleg next? Someone should 3D print like Sam Hine. I'm, I don't mean to sound like a, a total moron. Like This is really embarrassing, but I really don't understand how 3D printing works. And I've read, like, so many articles about it. (laughs) And I've, like, interviewed a bunch of fashion designers who are like, this is 3D printed. And I'm like, ooh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the truth about 3D printing is it's basically they take, like, a mush that hardens into an object. It's not, like, it makes it. You know, there's just some material, like a paste-like sort of material that they, it just layers. It's not even cool, basically.
0: Who's that couture designer who like 3D prints everything?
1: Iris Van Herpen.
0: Iris Van, Iris Herpen. Van
2: Herpen. People fucking love talking about Iris Van Herpen, which is just so funny because- The I New Yorker
0: think- writes a profile of her like every four years.
2: Yeah. And just <laughs> <It's> no <knowing>, one <amazing. laughs> like, who cares? Who is that? Like, who really cares? You have to be such uh like, a, a like esoteric fashion fanatic to even give a shit about that.
0: Well, it's a it's a bummer because it, it's not like sh- she's like a common commonly worn to like the Met Gala or the Oscars or like like the places like the venues where that like really crazy futuristic tech couture would be, like, amazing, you know, and really stand out.
1: It was a big part, or sorry, her her pieces were a big part of that Met show about fashion and technology. Oh,
0: right, that one, that's true.
1: And it was funny because they, like, couldn't have done that show without her work. Like, it was kind of the, it was the whole basis of the show in a certain way. But she's only, like, 30, 33 or 34 She's years young. Old. Really? Yeah. She is,
2: like, when people talk about fashion and technology, she's really the only one that is far enough out there to, like, really have that conversation about. Totally. because
1: She should be doing, like, the Yorks costumes and stuff. Yeah. Maybe she is. I think she does, like, FK twigs costumes sometimes. No one wants to admit
2: that fashion, like, doesn't really change and that there really isn't a whole lot of, like, remarkable innovation happening Ever, if there is, it's on like the product. It's on like the logistics level or something. It's like something DHL is doing.
1: Has anything in, Like, what when has innovation ever been the point? Like, has I mean, like you're absolutely correct, to know. Like, when yeah. is the last? What's the last like innovative thing?
2: Like the zipper.
0: <laughs> I mean, the zipper literally hasn't changed since like Levi's. You know, yeah, got, got you know, switched right. <laughs> because from because button flies to zippers.
1: The company that has the monopoly on zippers, YKK. If YKK's claws could get out of zippers, then maybe we could do some really interesting things.
0: I switch all of my zippered garments out with uh, Riri waterproof zippers. Mm, smart. I take the YKK's off <laughs> and I get it my tailor to put in Riri's.
2: Good mm-hmm. use of your time and money. Yeah, innovation is definitely the most overrated quality in fashion, I would say. You yeah, know? I
1: don't think it's like a quality that's important to anyone.
2: Right. It's more of, like, a gear thing.
1: I guess Gorpcore people care about innovation.
2: Yeah, but the Gorpcore people are obsessed with vintage Gorpcore. Like, they're obsessed with Arcteryx from, like, first-generation Arcteryx or whatever. It's not even about, like, the the newest version of it.
0: Biggest Patagonia grail is a retro axe made out of toilet seat cover from the 70s because they, like, couldn't get poly fleece anywhere else, so the early Patagonia employees literally just bought like all of this material from toilet seat suppliers, like the, yeah. like the plush fabric toilet seat covers. Like
2: That's depth. what they made
0: their jackets out of.
2: Amazing. What is radic- radical, both radical and innovative and cool is the new GQ merch shop. Wouldn't you guys agree?
1: Yeah,
0: very innovative. We've been in the lab for months.
2: Everything cool sold out.
1: No, like- that's not true. Actually, before you joined we were talking about how the comfort colors t-shirts are the best ones are we
0: allowed yeah. to say their comfort colors
2: since this
1: is a close
2: friends only podcast i think we can but you know like i have comfort colors blanks have been used by a lot of people's favorite brands so i think without like naming names you know it's like if you know you know and um I've, I I wear them a lot, both from other brands and just from Comfort Colors, but I think they have like the best mix of like the fabric is kind of heavy, but also like really washed down. So it, it doesn't have like uh, the structure of like a typical streetwear t-shirt, I would say, but it's still like a good heavier jersey. Yeah. And then it just has like all the right proportions, I think, in terms of like the neck ribbing width and the sleeve length and like the body shapes and all that. So I don't know. I really like them. I think it's sick that that's that may or may not be what we've used.
1: Here. You have to order one and sort of like guess for yourself.
0: My favorite, low key favorite is the um the GQ style embroidered logo tee. That's for like the insider fans. That's for the day ones.
2: I know GQ style is like uh is like there's like a very small canon of like legendary menswear um fashion media, you know. There was like men style com briefly, um mm-hmm. many ages ago. And then um you know four pins, GQ Style. These are like the great the Vogue uh, om. Don't forget
1: what, Vogue Ohm.
0: Vogue Ohm. GQ style com was like ripping for a while. That well, was um like
1: Noah and Sam's like personal blog.com. Yeah,
0: it literally <laughs> was.
1: All that yeah. content is still alive. You can read it.
0: Yeah. Just, you just have to endlessly scroll all the way down to I mean, that's sort of like the corporate lunch flavor in this first drop because as, as listeners might know, corporate lunch started as a GQ Style podcast.
2: Now it's just a merch brand. Corporate lunch started as a t-shirt brand, but we never released t-shirts, so we became a podcast. But we're going to pivot back to t-shirts later we had to build an audience first before we could sell our first t-shirt. And so like, it was a long game. It was like, let's do a podcast for a couple of years before we really like launch the clothing brand. But I think we're getting close to close to launch, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm also obviously, uh, you yeah, know, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm very into the online ceramics tees or tea and, and sweatshirt. In fact, I'm wearing one right now. And this one I love because it, you know, so a lot of the, um, the, the GQ like in-house tees um, were adapted from designs that were made for like you know big print features and um, this online ceramics tea is the same it was from this uh cool feature we did in the june issue with um elijah and alex and it's inspired by their creative isolation during quarantine
2: imagination is the golden pathway
0: there's some really crazy shit like like little hidden easter egg messages in this t-shirt design so
2: you have to read the June issue of GQ to, to learn about it.
0: To fully appreciate.
1: The June issue is the zine that goes with that t-shirt. That's
2: right. And if you read it
1: backwards
2: while, um, while the Wizard of Oz plays and, um, and you hum the Pink Floyd...
1: Um, Dark um,
2: yeah, if you take acid basically and wear the sweatshirt, you're going to have a really good time is essentially what I'm saying
1: included with the t-shirt though. we should just clarify
2: that no definitely not we don't sell drugs
0: i mean not over the internet
2: not yet and not even though this is a close friends podcast that's not the type of thing but if you dm sam hein we, <laughs> we can we haven't had a good call to dm sam hein lately
0: well i did um i was sick i was saying earlier before we started recording that this uh, this dude dm'd me and said that he he dm'd me a photo of a glow-in-the-dark nalgene with the um, imagination is the golden pathway design printed on it. And I just asked him where he, you know, where he got it or how he made it. And uh, he said he made it a while ago on the custom Nalgene site um, when the magazine feature came out. It actually looks looks really cool.
2: So Nalgene has a program where you can like upload an image and they'll put it on a Nalgene and you can buy it.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, he did, he did include the online ceramics logo. So Alex and Elijah's lawyer, Bob Weir, is going to be DMing this guy soon, but um, DM me your, your, your best GQ merch bootlegs or corporate yeah, lunch merch bootlegs. I would like to see more. But you're only allowed to bootleg if you also buy something from the GQ shop.
1: People have been sending me pictures of their new vintage Armani looks.
2: Searching for vintage Armani is really tough because Armani is such a massive global brand and has been for so many years. It's not an easy search. I've tried to dip into it because I would love to get some, some. um, what is the name of the new look? Some sincere. I would love to like perfect my sincere look using 90s Armani, but. It's just a tough. It's a really tough eBay thing, and like the Grailed community isn't really up on it yet. Although the homie Constant Practice does get some really good. He's like the one person I see getting like the good Armani pieces and selling it, and like putting it next to Yoji and Isamiaki and stuff, which I think like feels right and isn't extremely cool. But
1: I don't know. It's the it, real real.
2: The real real. Really. Yeah. I guess. Then you're getting a more, but why? That
1: seems. Because the real, real is a lot of this stuff on the real, real is like someone's parents died. Oh. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my mom has all these like, like St. John tracksuits. And my dad has all this like crazy old baggy Armani.
2: Yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. that makes sense. I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking the real, real is like kids who like, buy up a bunch of like kind of trendy seasonal clothes and then like sell it flip it all kind of like to buy stuff for the next season but i think that like estate sale estate sale style is really that's what that's what corporate lunch should really pivot to we should create a grailed for dead people because um,
1: <laughs> well the last time you had a grailed idea it happened so what was it? when you were like, there should be a grailed for like, for me, you know, like a special top tier grailed, a white glove grailed.
0: Uh-huh. And then L-V-I-P. they did it.
1: And then it appeared overnight.
0: And then they got rid of it, I think, right? Our guest is calling in soon. We have a dope guest who wants to introduce him.
2: I will. It's Michael Pina, GQ NBA columnist.
0: He's, he's in the bubble.
2: He's in the bubble. He's not in the bubble, is he?
0: I don't think he's actually in the bubble, no. but-
1: bubble adjacent he wrote an awesome piece this morning about whether it's ethical to make and sell brianna taylor t-shirts well i didn't see that really yeah yeah.
2: i was catching up on all my michael pina columns and well anyway he's been killing it on gq.com he's gonna call in in a second and help us make sense of things to some extent to some degree I thought everyone was saying it's a strike, not a boycott, but then some people are saying it is actually a boycott, and and um, I don't really know that. I guess it matters to people that are deeply concerned about labor relations.
1: Right, like AOC. Who,
2: AOC? Telfar connoisseur, AOC?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think Telfar sent her that bag? Actually, well, that's probably, I think Congress people aren't allowed to accept gifts like that, so she must have bought it. I wonder if she had to, like, you know, be checking out within milliseconds of the bag drop or if she's had one for a while or, or if she bought one on Grailed, I would love to know.
1: Maybe she's like on a Zoom with like some like monstrous Republicans and she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> she's like ordering the bag, trying to get, I just, w- this ends at midnight, so I really need <laughs> That's
2: a good question. I mean, she might have had her people reach out, but I also feel like Telfar could just be like, Oh, cool. You want a bag? Great. Like, more drop next week. Like, act (laughs) fast. Here's the link.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about Congress people is that it's quite easy to get in touch with them.
2: I don't have you, I don't, I haven't actually handled the Telphar bag all that much. I mean, I I understand, I think I sort of understand what it's all about. And it's funny because they've been around for a really long time, right? I mean, these bags, like, there are people that have, like, a few years ago, there was no problem getting a, a Telfar bag. Not that they weren't cool. It was just kind of a, it didn't
0: really explode. Even a few months ago, you could, you know, you could buy, like, Essence had all these sizes and colors in stock. Really? Yeah.
2: Wait, is it clear or obvious in any way what exactly, like, the moment it changed and what it, what the
0: impetus was? I think, like, it really just snowballed on Twitter as, like, a meme once um, mm-hmm. Telfar started dropping them on they're on on the Telfar website more regularly and um, they started selling out. People were reacting to that and getting, you know, Telfar started trending on Twitter basically every time um, the bags dropped because people would be either celebrating that they finally got their Telfar or, you know, yelling about uh, all the bots and resellers and scammers and whatever. Um, And I think it just sort of, there was just like this like total snowball effect basically where more and more people became aware of it as like a status symbol the more that that happened. And um, the drops just got like crazier and crazier.
2: And what does he do? Does he just drop one, like one color at a time or is there like a full range? Is it like, here's one size and one color dropping today and
0: that's all it is? Have you guys it's, seen? It totally varies.
1: Yeah, but it's usually it's more than one color and yeah. one, one size.
0: But it's all, he, you know, when, when he announced the, um, the bag security program, he, uh, or Telfar said that, um, they have to place orders six months in advance. So everything that's been dropping now was ordered, you know, way before there was this like total frenzy.
2: Right. Like you probably can't, I mean, he could, once he's making enough to increase his like order size, he can probably like skip the line of production a little bit, but you probably can't like trim too much off that lead time.
0: But yeah, I, presumably the you know whatever factory he's using, uh, you know, has tons of orders that they need to fulfill by a certain date for other companies too. So it's
2: he should just print a million T-shirts with pictures of with Telfar bag graphics on them, so that he can has something and like mark them up so he has something to sell to all the thousands of people that go to his site and don't get a bag. You can just get a T-shirt and then it could say like, I went to Telfar.com and I I didn't get a bag but I got this T-shirt with a bag on it.
1: He has a really great t-shirt actually that I was just looking at this morning on Essence that is like, um, it's a picture of, Mm -hmm. let me see if I can find it. It's a picture of people at a party beating each other up and one of them has the bag and it says, Telfar, fuck that bitch. <laughs> it's so good. I was like, this is the greatest t-shirt anyone <laughs> ever made. How is this still in stock?
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Secret
0: to, the secret about Telfar is that the clothes are fucking amazing and like yeah, that's, that's what cool. people should be fighting over. It's all made in Italy now too. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Like these tees are made in Italy, the sweatshirts and um, knits and stuff like that are made in Italy
1: oh we forgot to talk about new york fashion week
2: oh shit speaking of Telfar.
0: speaking of innovation in fashion,
2: <laughs> i don't know when is it all supposed to start week after next all right we'll get more into it next week mike's here
3: hey what's up hey guys can you hear me yeah yeah i can hear you well this is an honor Long time listener. Sick.
0: Where are you calling in from? Are you are you in the bubble or are you somewhere else?
3: <laughs> I'm thankfully not in the bubble. I'm in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn.
2: Nice. Um, we had lots to 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 catch up with you on regarding like this whole kind of the whole NBA season, especially the events of the week. But then this morning you had a new piece that I didn't even see. I'm sorry, so I haven't even ready yet but I guess we don't have to tell everyone that but is it okay to sell Brianna Taylor t-shirts I don't maybe we should start there not not that we're just gonna like recap all of your greatest hits from your uh, GQ NBA column but that might be what we end up doing
3: um yeah sure we can talk about that I mean it's pretty I think it's a pretty straightforward piece just about designers um independent designers who have felt uncomfortable about Uh, whether or not they're memifying Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and how they've dealt with it and how they've dealt with NBA players wearing their stuff and it obviously doing big things for them financially and for their brand's awareness, but how weird that is. Um, So that's just like what it's about, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it
0: seems just from my sort of following uh, of, you know, like league fits and um, seeing what people have been showing, up, you know, wearing to um, the playoff games, you know a couple weeks ago it, things really sort of took a turn um and uh you know a lot of players started showing up in um in these graphic tees that were sort of um i guess eulogizing and uh, you know george floyd and and sort of making like really um powerful statements mm-hmm. um how can you characterize sort of like the the the, the rise of like the protest tee in you know like the nba tunnel fit um, is that like is it like kind of rare to see um NBA players with you know like making statements like that?
3: Um, I mean, so I wrote a story about uh Chris Paul and his advocacy of uh historically black colleges and universities and how they basically, you know, he started wearing HBCU gear. Um as a way, because he recognized the the quote unquote tunnel and the runway, and you know NBA players walking into stadiums and the attention that their their clothing and their outfits were getting. Um, so he started wearing HBCU clothing in uh, t- season opener, two season openers ago, his second year in Houston. So I guess the beginning of last season, actually, and it got some attention, I would say, but it wasn't a very organized effort. Uh, relative to post-George post, uh, post George Floyd, post, I guess, uh, this civil rights movement. Um, and now it's very, you know, he'll wear a different outfit uh, to every game. And then additionally, he's in in uh, cooperation with uh, Support Black Colleges, which is uh, a a different independent clothing line. And they make Instagram posts for him that are kind of aligned with whatever he's wearing that uh, educates people about the school, whatever school it is, it could be Savannah State or Morehouse or Clark or wherever, Um, just letting people know about its history. And so it's been definitely more organized just in that regard, but generally speaking, zooming out, I wouldn't say that there's been anything um, beyond like the, the I can't breathe t-shirts that you saw um, with Eric Garner and uh, some of the hoodies players wore in years past to draw attention to Trayvon Martin. Um, but nothing really like this where it's every other day you'll see a player wearing a Breonna Taylor t-shirt or a George Floyd t-shirt or um, anything else that will draw attention to police brutality.
2: It sort of seems to me it's kind of one piece of the, the bigger, I think one of your earlier pieces was about like the NBA's activism sort of dilemma, like, which I think has more to do with, you know, is is continuing to, to play, uh, is that distraction a good thing or a bad thing in terms of like the social justice cause? And it it feels a little bit Related even to to like to what what you wear, you know. Of course, everyone's like watching watching to see, and it, and um this whole season, it seems to me has been characterized by players kind of finding their their lane, uh, like finding their like degree of activism and their kind of like way in and and how how they'll choose to do it. Of course, kind of culminating this week with. Um, the strike or boycott, depending on, I'm not sure what we're calling it, essentially. But how would you characterize? Like, it's it's interesting that this discussion about players and um, whether or not they're, they're participating or, or deciding not to participate, it kind of it has led to this strike, which, of course, is related to, you know, the news because there was another killing. And, of course, that's what sparked it. But it's almost kind of like there's a linear sort of progression of what's been happening. Yeah.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean with regards to just the I think there's a lot of different things going on in what you're what you're talking about. I mean, there's the distraction conversation, which you know started I think with Avery Bradley and Kyrie Irving who formed this coalition to Basically say, hey, if we come back and play basketball right now, a lot of the momentum that we have in drawing attention and uh, protesting ourselves won't be possible. And a lot of people who are paying attention to the societal injustices that have gone on for years um, that are just starting to kind of be more woke to it and uh, uh, involve themselves and engage themselves, they'll just start talking about James Harden hitting a buzzer beater or Luca Doncic sitting in step back three. And so I think that that, uh, I mean, you kind of contrast that with, uh, okay, but if we are at the bubble, we're all together and people are watching us, then, you know, during our post-game press conferences, we can immediately call out, uh, Wisconsin legislators uh, and ask them to accelerate the investigation into what happened with Jacob Blake and get justice for Jacob Blake and get justice for Breonna Taylor and use our platform like that with the eyeballs that we have on us um, in those scenarios. So it's like a really complicated thing. I don't really know what the right answer is. Um, To me personally, you know, I wanted to write that piece about the social justice dilemma because I personally thought that coming back was a mistake, uh, in part, because I, I thought it was predictable, sadly that there would be another white police officer shooting another unarmed Mm -hmm. black person while the players were in the bubble. And once you're in the bubble, Hey, like you can't leave. So Jalen Brown tweets, I want to go protest. Jalen Brown, when before the season, uh, resumed drove 15 hours from boston down to his home uh home state of georgia to uh initiate a protest and initiate a march he can't do that from the bubble and you kind of add the psychological layers of like isolation and just the weirdness of being in the bubble right now cuz like it's super weird and a lot of people are not dealing with it really well i mean it's a super monotonous thing yeah um i just think it's it's a very layered and complex issue and i don't know what the right answers are
2: it's it's not it's like this microcosm not unlike the way all of america has was in covid world when george floyd was murdered and then covid world which was already a fucked up scenario was really was disrupted or was sort of like things were riled up by a new black lives matter movement. Similarly, you have this like miniature version of it where you have this bubble Mm -hmm. that has these constraints placed on it. Just, just like health, basic COVID stuff. And then again, this sort of like introduction of a different kind of like disruptive energy. That's like, doesn't seem like a recipe. I mean, what's going to happen? What are people, what do people think is going to happen in the bubble with the bubble?
3: um i mean with regards to like health uh it's great um yeah no one has tested positive it's really kind of i guess sad to say that the nba is like leading the charge against COVID and has figured out a way to protect its employees and all the people inside it and like the fact that the country can't do that is uh a little disheartening and heartbreaking mm-hmm. um but with regards to social justice, like, I don't know, I think that you kind of get into this, like, look, they have Black Lives Matter on the court, they wear their social justice messages on their jerseys, they do the post game press conferences where they call out Daniel Cameron, and they ask for justice for Breonna Taylor. And like nothing has really happened with that. I mean, you are spreading awareness, it is better than nothing, you're amplifying a positive message for sure. But When you sit out games uh, and you don't play them, then you put pressure on ownership and you put pressure on billionaires to actually uh, leverage their political connections and their economic strength that even NBA players are not, that's like a different world from being in the NBA and making $5 a year, which is what probably the average player in the bubble makes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, they're obviously coming back and I would say they're coming back for a two big reasons. One is they realize that this, I mean, it all happened so fast, they realize that they have no action items, and they're not organized about it. So the Bucks just decide to strike. And then the Bucks say reportedly that they did not think that this would lead to anything major, which I, okay, I don't even understand Ah. how that's possible. Um, And then you have uh, the money issue, which is like, if you cancel the season, I mean, the the owners are going to lock out the players. The collective bargaining agreement is going to get terminated. Uh, players, uh, you know, CJ McCollum, guard for the Portland Trailblazers, said uh, a couple months ago that uh, he estimates a third of players live paycheck to paycheck. So to basically cancel the season, uh, the rest of this season, put next season in severe danger of not happening. Like, that's not an option for the players. So yeah. I I don't know how you enact change more than they have honestly um uh, without asking them to make significant financial sacrifices that like frankly it's really funny to me that we don't look at the owners and the billionaires and be like hey what are you doing but yeah that's just i don't know.
1: <laughs> Do you know if um if LeBron and uh Jared Kushner ever connected? Today? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, I don't think that that will ever happen. I would be surprised if it ever happened. Um, I don't think LeBron is – I don't think he really has the time for that now or ever, Um, but I do think that uh, LeBron is a super interesting figure in all of this just because he's obviously the most powerful player. He's probably the most powerful person um, in the NBA – and he's for so long wanted uh, the games to go on because he believed in the bigger platform. He believed that he could start the More Than a Vote campaign uh, and still play games. And the More Than a Vote campaign is incredible and is doing a lot of wonderful things. Um, but for him to, I mean, in the last like 48 hours, he kind of shifted from I am I want to play games to I don't want to play games to okay, we should play games like in just like the blink of an eye three times, which I don't really understand. He's LeBron. He can do what he wants, and he's a human being, and he has emotions and all that. But usually, he's more uh, uh, like prepared in his actions and his statements. Yeah. And I thought that that was just pretty interesting. Do you,
2: wait, just to just to pry on that a little more. Like, what do you make of that? Is is do you think it's just? how fast things are unfolding and and him figuring it out like in real time basically or is, I don't know, is there something else you read into to that? Because obviously looking at what we're, what LeBron's doing is a huge piece of like how this will unfold.
3: I think it's moving super fast. I think, you know, by all reports, he was pretty upset at the Bucks and at George Hill for instigating the strike without communicating to anyone else in the league that that's what their plan was. And then honestly, I just think, you know, I have a few friends who are in the bubble. I talk to them about what it's like in the bubble. I talk to players about what it's like in the bubble. And it's just like, it really weighs on you mentally. And it's unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And so, like I said, like LeBron is this superhuman um, in a lot of different ways, but he's also a, in reality, a regular human being. And so he probably, you know, He gets emotional. Um, I'm sure he really misses his family. I think it was his wife's birthday either yesterday or today. Mm. Um, And so when you are doing all the things he's doing with, uh, you know, more than a vote and speaking up on behalf of Breonna Taylor, and then there's another shooting, it must feel very helpless even for someone like him.
2: How much longer is the bubble? uh, What's the duration of the season if all goes as scheduled?
3: I think the finals are supposed to start October. I don't know how this will affect the schedule first of all, but before wow. all this happened, um, the finals, I think were supposed to start in the first week of October and then <laughs> be over by the 14th, I think, was like the last day or the 15th that might get pushed back now because of what we just the delay that we just had. Um, I don't know, but it's a long, long time and he's probably looking at it as someone who is supposed to go to the finals or the Western Conference finals at least like I have to look I have to be here for this much longer um it must be just a very brutal experience that's why PJ Tucker brought
0: 100 pairs of sneakers (laughs) I was like that's too many pairs of sneakers it turns out actually he's just he's you know he's being realistic also just like
2: that's getting that's getting awfully close to the election like October is going to be a gnarly month just like for anybody (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah. Who knows what the fall kind of has in store for us just in general. But um, I, one of the things I thought was sort of interesting was that the Bucks, during their time, at, right after they decided not to play, got on the phone with the Attorney General of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, did you hear anything about that? I just wonder, like, like, that was a thing that was like an actual action or a a move that they made that sort of went beyond like the optics, I guess, of the thing. And I was just curious, like, did you get any, did you, have you heard anything about like, what does a call like that sound like? How does that work? Um, Does someone lead it? I mean, like you said, they don't necessarily have like action items, but I just wonder if you know more detail about that moment.
3: Yeah, sure. So uh, I believe they spoke with the attorney general of Wisconsin and then also the Lieutenant governor. um, And that was kind of more of an educational phone call um, mm-hmm. both of them where they were just trying to figure out like okay if we're gonna sit out like has there been change has there been any policy changes Have, has there been any steps towards police reform in wisconsin and milwaukee and kenosha anywhere um, and the answer that they got was essentially no there has not been any change because the Wisconsin legislature has not met since George Floyd was killed. Right. So the players, you know, you take that and that just, I think, really boils over the frustration for them, the fact that they're doing all these things that they're doing, they're, you know, taking a knee together and uh, having Black Lives Matter on the court and all this stuff that they're doing down there and for there not to be literally any um, legislation passed or steps towards legislation being passed, uh, I'm sure it was just, like, extreme frustration on their part. And, uh, you know, I think a lot about how this has spread to other sports and how I don't think, like, the Bucks are super popular in Milwaukee relative to, like, if the Green Bay Packers were like, you know what, we're not playing any football games this season unless you guys, meaning the legislator, come together and you vote on some police reform right now. And so – It's good to see some players in the NFL and teams like withhold from practicing and all that. Um, And I think that that type of unity among sports will make all of this go faster because in reality, the NBA players are kind of, or were initially on an Island and we've seen WNBA players unify with them and WNBA, the the games are coming back tonight in the WNBA as well. And uh, I don't really know what's going on with baseball exactly. I know hockey didn't really play last night, but yeah, it's tough to get the ball rolling with this stuff when you're dealing with some of the worst people in the country.
2: <laughs> how
3: do you think players are reckoning just to just to like go
2: back to the argument about like sports as a distraction? Like how do you think this is changing the dynamic of that that piece of this? You know, I mean, obviously this is put the NBA at the center of a conversation not not necessarily because of the the games or the what the players are doing on the court exactly. But I wonder if this is like making like kind of, it's just like a new twist in that dilemma in a way, like, well, if the players hadn't come back and played because of social justice issues to begin with this sort of huge event wouldn't bubble that wouldn't have like kind of happened and become like a really a main sort of narrative in the whole thing. Uh, so I just wonder how like the kind of like the thinking there is changing
3: yeah i mean that's a really that's a good question um i don't know i mean like the idea of sports like look when you stop sports you are like when you come back to play sports you're in effect trying to normalize society because society was like really disrupted obviously by COVID and everything being shut down and inoperable so when you bring sports back, you are normalizing society. And society in the United States for 400 years has been one of racial oppression and systemic injustice. So you're kind of giving a pass to that as well in a in a uh, indirect way. And so when you all of a sudden are like, okay, we're going to stop the games um, again, and force everyone to really recognize and acknowledge what's still happening. I think that's pretty powerful. And to your point, more powerful than if they never came back in the first place. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It seems to me like the, um, the shut up and dribble people have finally fully internalized (laughs) that they have lost and that nobody is going to like go back to just like playing on their, on their terms, you know? Um, Cause now they can just, they can just drop the ball and say like, you know, no, like, we're
3: just, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna dribble. Um, I don't think that those people will ever think they lasted anything, but I agree with your larger point for sure.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, um, I, I just, <laughs> one of the, this story about um, the stylist you spoke to was saying that she was like packing up, like, duffel bags full of clothes to like send into the bubble how are these what is the what is the deal with them getting through october like what if they need more sneakers what has to happen do they have to like be <laughs> sterilized and like specially like vacuum sealed and go through a i'm just concerned about the fits and the sneakers really and because now that i know we have to get through like most of october i'm just like well geez i mean are they going to be okay in sure, terms
3: of yeah. apparel? <laughs> i mean there is a process of mailing items into the bubble that is uh a little like it's not impossible obviously um when i talked to courtney Mays for that story i mean she was describing all of like the initial hpcu gear that they wanted to roll out um but in the meantime she also has to mail him things on the fly sometimes that she gets or whatever um, but like you know, I talked to Robert Covington for a Q&A and I asked him like, "Hey, what you bring? How many clothes?" And he's just like, "I I just packed some t-shirts, uh-huh. some shorts." Um, like I left all of my nice sneakers uh at home, didn't want to bring them. Basically left all of my jewelry at home. Uh so he was just like not interested in uh-huh. uh, any of it <laughs> at all. Um but yeah, no, that's a, that's a that's a major concern for sure that I should <laughs>
2: GQ just launched like a, a, a merch shop and I was hoping we could send him a bunch of t-shirts, but maybe it's not worth the effort.
3: <laughs> no, you know, it's funny you say that. One of the guys I talked to for the Breonna Taylor story, uh, he just started his own brand right when quarantine started. And his plan was to basically, he had no connections with any NBA players or anyone in the NBA and he just mailed a bunch of T-shirts, like Kobe T-shirts, R.I.P. Kobe T-shirts. Uh, there was a George Floyd T-shirt, which is why I wanted to talk to him, um, to all these different players. And like two weeks ago, you know, P.J. Tucker's wearing one. Uh, Jason Tatum's wearing one. James Harden.
2: Oh, so he got in there.
3: So he got in there, and he like so. so you never know if you just mail them to these guys, they'll probably find like a situation where they want to wear them because, as you said earlier, they're running out of clothes. So
2: yeah, this is a dangerous platform to share that message on. This is <laughs> yeah. like every kid out there. If you have a brand, just send some shit to the bubble. Maybe you'll end up on a player.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they have like a free table for the stuff that like. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
0: what do you expect do you expect any sort of like unified statement whether in terms of like what players are wearing or 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 otherwise when um the playoff games resume i mean like lebron is someone who really understands the power of like a unified message you know he got he bought all of his teammates um tom brown suits a couple seasons ago um for the playoffs like do you and it sounds like the players are starting to coordinate, um, it, it, you know, whereas the Bucks sort of went rogue initially, it sounds like there's been a lot of coordination now um, behind the scenes. Do you expect, um, you know, some sort of unified front or, or, or message, whether it's t-shirts or, 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 or something else, um, you know, when they start, uh, when the games restart?
3: I think on one front, like LeBron uh, and the Lakers, before game one of their playoff series against the Portland Trailblazers, they wore Uh, basically MAGA hats that said, make America arrest the killers of Breonna, or Breonna Taylor's killers or something like that. Um, And that like, didn't go over so well, I don't think. People really weren't feeling that. Yeah, that Uh, one didn't, that didn't really hit. No, hence (laughs) everyone saying that it was J.R. Smith's idea a day later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to your like, other point, I, I think that on one hand, unity is a good thing players um continuing to amplify this message um uh, this anti-racism message is good and they can do that through fashion and clothing and all that but i also think like um when you sit out the games and you go that far and you actually start to go down a road of genuine protest and genuine activism wearing t-shirts all of a sudden you know like it kind of doesn't hit the same way if I'm making any sense.
2: No, it does seem, I don't know, this might be like making a leap or just to take that idea further, but like the the t-shirts will, could become a whole lot less interesting when you have, yeah, repeating what you said, it becomes a whole lot interest, less interesting to wear a Breonna Taylor t-shirt when you're sitting out games and causing sort of a national media uproar. Um, it's One's gonna get way more attention than the other,
3: basically. Yeah, for sure
2: when we started uh talking you said you're not in the bubble thankfully what you, are you what you mean just cuz you'd be stuck there i mean there are journalists in there yeah. i mean it would uh, doesn't some part of you wish you could i mean it's safe no one in there has covid maybe safer in there than than
3: brooklyn uh not an ounce of my body <laughs> <laughs> wishes i was in the bubble and never has um like yeah it sucks being in brooklyn throughout all of this really has been whatever uh not not ideal in a lot of ways um but being in the bubble having to get my like get a saliva test or a whatever test any type of covid test um daily multiple times daily not being really allowed to go you know like a really good friend of mine's down there and he just like can't do anything. Like you're just, you go to games and you go to practices and then you're in your hotel room. And that's like about, that's about it. Um I
2: thought maybe everybody was like playing cards all night and like hanging, kind of like partying.
3: I don't think there's like parties, at least maybe my friend's a total loser. Um, <laughs> I hope he never listens to this.
2: Hanging with the wrong crew in the bubble.
3: <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, I have personally just never had any motivation to go down there. And in part, because like the media access is terrible, like media access for the NBA in general is not great. Yeah. But like, honestly, like I'm out here, I'm in New York and I can get players. I'm not trying to brag at all, but like you can get players on the phone and do your job from afar. You don't need to be down there. Um, in a way that, like, you can't even. It's not like I, I would be able to like sit down and have an interview with any player one-on-one in the bubble. So I just don't. Journalistically, I don't see any benefit, and just like mental health-wise, I'm not really down <laughs> with
0: the whole thing. Well, if you change your mind, I have some uh, XL and double XL T-shirts that I'll give you to to hand <laughs> yeah, out you to players. Stuff down. Well, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what are our last questions? Who's the best? Who's going to be the best dressed player in the league this season?
3: Wow. What a question. Um, I mean, there's so many names. I mean, I could just resort to PJ Tucker, who I love so much. Um, He's great. Um, And I love this quote that I had from one of the designers when they asked when PJ Tucker's representatives out to get the Breonna Taylor T-shirt. uh it was mailed to him. PJ got the shirt and then texted the guy and was like, I had to change up my whole outfit because I wanted to wear this shirt today. It's just like he he clearly thinks about what he's wearing just way more than he does hitting corner threes and like <laughs> seven hitters. So I respect the hell out of PJ. Love him to death. Um I really love I mean, I guess like there's like a ton of guys on the Rockets who I love like Russ is incredible. Yeah, i um, super committed to like pretending that it's still a fashion show down there. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, like Shea Gildress Alexander with the Oklahoma City Thunder is one of like the more I think like out there dressers in the league and he's continued to be that way um, in with his eccentric ways down in the bubble, but like there's a ton of guys it's like there's more, like, not fa- – or I guess, like, there's more fashionable guys than – not. like, the- I could think of a few guys who, like, aren't fashionable, and then yeah. everybody else kind of knows what they're doing. is how I would put it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, who's, like, the Tim Duncan of the league? Or Who's the worst-dressed <laughs> – who's, like, the guy that's just not even – doesn't get it? Is there a worst-dressed player in the NBA? Can we say that? Man, I
3: – I don't want to. Talk
1: about like worse dress. Do we mean like it doesn't fit, or do we mean like it has stains on it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just it wears dirty clothes. I, don't know. Uh, um, I haven't seen any like mustard stains <laughs> in the bubble yet. Right. Um, these guys. You don't have to
2: compromise. You don't have to compromise your position. I know you're. You're. You know. You've got people in the bubble. If you know, I don't want to get you in trouble, Thank it you. would be. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when we uh, off the Zoom. Sweet. All right, um, Mike. Thanks for joining Corporate Lunch. What episode is this? One hundred and four. One hundred and four. Episode wow. one hundred and four. This was fun. Thank you so much, guys. Again, an honor. We'll do it again. Let's do it again at the end of the season if you have time. I know
3: you'll be busy. Beautiful. I would love to anytime. Very All awesome. right. Thanks, for on, man.